We tonight are going to preach on what it means to be righteous, righteousness by faith, amen, instead of righteousness by uh, works. And uh, so the thing is, is that God's grace and the righteousness and the holiness that he brings into our life motivates us to do good works. You know, there's almost a teaching out that the thought of a good work is a bad subject. You know, like it's like if, if you're if you're talking about doing something good, then you're not a grace preacher. You're not you're not you you don't have grace revelation. But um, the apostle Paul really had grace revelation. I mean, uh, yes. magnificently, Absolutely. and yet he talks about being motivated by grace to to do good works. Amen? And so we know, this is what we know, this is where we have to get it straight. We know that you cannot be saved by good works. You can't do enough good works. If you uh, If you fed every hungry person, clothed every naked person, housed every homeless person, healed every sick person, on the whole planet, at one time, it would not be enough to buy one drop of blood Amen. for your salvation. Amen. We have to receive salvation by faith. We have to receive healing. by You can't work for your healing. A lot of people think, well, maybe if I give a bigger offering, the Lord will heal me. Well, you can't buy your healing. You can't buy a redemptive blessing. And in a sense, you cannot buy prosperity. You have to receive that by faith. And then we get into, we, we don't give to try to get out of poverty. We give because we believe that we're already blessed. Amen. And so that's why I, I don't teach a lot on, well, give to get out of debt. There is a truth there. Amen. You can, by faith, do some things. But you want to make sure that you're standing on the finished work of Christ for everything and not trying to rebuild that in some way. And so Paul was very good about helping us with this, and we're just going to look at some scriptures, okay? So look at Romans 3, and uh, he, of course he's, here he's already comparing uh, righteousness by, by works of the law, Moses' law, compared to righteousness by faith in the finished work of Christ. That's the whole, the whole thing. So, you know, we could just, we could just go, we could start in the beginning of Romans and go all the way through all of Paul's letters, uh, which wouldn't be a bad program, but, um, we'd be here for the next, you know, three years trying to get through that. So we'll just trust the Lord to put a spotlight on the very verses that we need. Amen. Now, I want you to look at the purpose of the law. You say, well, if the law, you know, if the law was superseded by the new law of love, the new law of grace, the new law of righteousness, which it is, Hebrews tells us clearly that, that the old, there would be no need to do away with the old if it hadn't been flawed. It was flawed in the sense that it could not make anybody just. Not anybody. So, you know, if you're trying to be just by the law, why don't you just quit? Because you're not going to get there. The scripture says that no man is justified by the works of the law. Nobody. 
How many? None. Amen. So he's comparing it here. And let's just start jumping here in verse 19. And uh, see, he's got a very good purpose for the law then. You think, well, what good is it? Why even mention it or have anything to do with it? And you can see here what it says. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. So the law stands like this big monolith. Uh, if you've ever been to some, you know, national parks out west, there's Yosemite's got this half dome rock that goes just straight up in the air. And every now and then crazy people try to, try to climb it and some of them don't make it. There, it, the outcome's not good. Let me just tell you, they smack. Yeah. Uh, but it'd be like the law stands like this monolith, like this huge face of a granite wall and stops us from entering into family with God because it, it condemns us. The law does nothing to serve but to condemn us. And it's basically saying, um, you have to be perfectly holy to get around this thing or get over it or get through it. And how do you do that? That's the question. But thank God for Jesus Christ. God had a plan to make us holy, to make us righteous, to where that we, we are counted as if we have fulfilled the law because Christ did. Now, because Jesus said that he was going to do that. He said, I have not come, you know, in Matthew 5, he said, I have not come to destroy the law or the prophets, but to fulfill it. Amen. So if you'll focus on being in Christ, you can, you can say, praise the Lord, I can stand before God right now with no fear, no doubting, no worry that I'm not acceptable to him. Not because I have ticked off all the little boxes for the law, but because Jesus did. And I'm in Christ. And so I come in Christ to the throne of grace to find grace to help in time of need. Amen. So, uh, uh, Brother Hagen, uh, somebody put a quote of his on Facebook the other day, uh, a little video clip of him saying this very thing. It was so good. He said, Sin consciousness, and uh, the church world is full of sin consciousness. It always has been. It always will be because they think they're trying to control people and make them act nicer. But you can't make people act nicer from the outside in. You got to, they act nicer because something on the inside is working on the outside. But you try to work on the outside in and you might get them to give you lip service compliance. Or force them to lie. (laughs) Are you doing this wrong and that wrong? No, pastor. We would never do something like that. And then they are. So you you don't produce holiness. Now, see, the thing is, our goal is to be holy. Our goal is to live a life pleasing to the Lord. How many would say that's that's what you want to do? Live a life pleasing to the Lord. The trouble is... If we try that out of our own flesh and just rule keeping and law keeping, we will fail every time. 
and we'll get discouraged in it and, th- and say, this Christian life is just too hard to live. I've heard people say that. I want to be a Christian. I want to be involved in the church, in God's church, but it's just too much. It's too high of a thing. I can't do it. I've tried and I fail. And it's like, I want to say to them, well, in the name of Jesus, stop trying and just live in Christ. Hallelujah. And his real holiness. Now we sing that in one of our choruses that we, that we have about, um, holiness. We say this in one of our, this is on that song, Lord, I need you. Holiness is Christ in me. So the more Christ conscious, now, so brother, back to brother Hagen. We'll leave him hanging. He said, sin consciousness is the number one enemy of faith. Isn't that something? Isn't that quite a statement? But it's true. Because if you go to the Lord, with, and you need to use, how many here ever need to use their faith? You need to use your faith and believe that you receive and believe that God's doing things, even if it looks like nothing's happening. We live there, don't we? We live in that kind of faith. And, expecting and seeing but what'll kill your faith is sin consciousness you 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 the devil will say to you you're not worthy to be healed you're not worthy you know that thing you did you know that thing you said way back there <laughs> or maybe it was yesterday but whatever the thing is the devil will bring up all your past all your failures where you missed it what you did wrong What you said, if you ever had any feelings of jealousy or covetousness, he'll bring that up. Anything he can find to accuse you of, really, he's almost accusing you of being human. Because you, you know, you had a feeling that wasn't good. Or you got angry. Or you got snippy and snappy. Anybody here ever got snippy or snappy? Don't raise your hand. No, no, nobody here. This is... This is the highest place I've ever seen. Or you, you know, you snapped at a, at a server or somebody, you know, it just, we've all been there. And one of our problems is that we are human. That's one of our problems. And the devil will accuse you of being human. <laughs> I've never said that before, but it's kind of funny, isn't it? Just something that maybe you just were just stressed out a little bit or a little bit agitated on the freeway. If you've ever driven on 275 across Tampa, it's a trial of your faith and sanctification. And, you know, you're just tempted to practice road rage for everybody else doing road rage. But anyway, you know. The devil will come and he'll bring up all these things. And, and, and even if you said when you did it, Lord, forgive me, that's not, you corrected it. The greatest thing about repentance is the correction, the self-correction. If I judge myself, I won't be judged. And so I'm, I'm, you know, praise God. Isn't that a beautiful thing? If I judge myself, I won't be judged. And I just go, wow, that, I, that was, <laughs> I've had to say to Scarlett before, just my behavior. That, that wasn't right. I, I was wrong. I was just wrong. You know, you know what? That's a relieving thing to be able to say I was wrong. We can just say I was wrong. I, I, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have acted that way. And you correct that. And that's way more important to God than crying at the altar all night and using up the church's uh, budget on Kleenex and 
blowing snot all over the carpet and writhing and rolling around in self-pity and trying to get the Lord, trying to talk the Lord into the notion of forgiving you. Well, that's, that's just ridiculous. But he would just much rather you say, you know, Lord, this attitude, this spirit, I judge that right now. And I take authority over that. And I'm not going to be like that. And I thank you that, that uh, you forgive me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. And I just stand before you strong and clean and holy. That's a lot better than just groveling over some human error or mistake that you make. What if it's something worse, Pastor? What if it's like an intentional sin thing? The same blood, the same blood that, that, that does a minor thing will clean the, the bad one. You just can't get around the blood of Jesus. I mean, it's just, it's the best cleansing agent there is. And apply it to your life. Apply it to your, your, your uh, spiritual life, as we've been discussing right now. Apply it to your health. Apply it to your finances. Apply it to your children or your grandchildren. One of them's gone wacky on you. Apply the blood. Apply the word. Amen. Preach, Pastor. Go for it. It's all yours. All right. All right. So he says that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. So we're all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat where the law is concerned. We just, we just have to admit in front of the law, I'm a failure. I can't do this thing. And I'm not going to even try to do it and earn something from it. What I'm going to do is live in Christ. If I live in Christ, I will be holy because there's nothing about him that's not holy. Isn't this better, a better way to live? Then, you know, the pastor, well, we just got back from the General Assembly and now they're saying women can wear uh, earrings. I mean, come on. Who wants to live like that? It's ridiculous. A lot people didn't want to live like that and they left by the thousands. That's what. And I think... Some folks figured that out and said, if we're going to have a church left, we're going to have to, you know, get like scriptural and get out of the wherever. The Appalachian, (laughs) I don't know, pig pen somewhere, just trying to clean up everybody's flesh all the time with rules and regulations. That does not produce holiness in a heart. Holiness cannot be regulated by rules and regulations. Holiness is a is an example, outward behavioral holiness, as we say, is an example of what's happening on the inside. Amen? And it's so beautiful because we can pray for each other that way. If you see me behaving in a way, even as pastor, that you don't think is, is right, you can pray for me. And if I see something in you, I'd much rather just pray for you than to... Than to Confront you. My dad, you know, pastored my whole life, really. Pastored or was an overseer or an evangelist or something, but he full-time ministry since 1946. And I was born in 1957, so he'd, he'd been at it 11 years by the time I came around. And uh, I used to go with him, you know, as a boy, you know, you go around with your daddy, you know, in town. In the South, we called him daddy. So you go around with your daddy in town, you know, and uh, and uh, you run into church members out there on the street. 
And so they'd be smoking a cigarette or something. So they'd see the pastor. It's the funniest thing. They'd see the pastor, and uh, they'd turn the cigarette around backwards and hold it and go up their shirt sleeve, you know, to hide it. Well, then smoke's coming out of their neck. They're hiding the cigarette from the pastor because they don't want to get, you know, confronted about, you know, breaking the rule. I've often said about about church, I said, come to church. We'll take away your cigarette and give you a donut. It's much healthier. But uh, had the, <laughs> the truth, but had the cigarette, you know, I mean, these things might be health choices, but they're not necessarily this deep spiritual where you got cast the nicotine demon out or something. Uh, oh, God help us. Anyway, this guy's got a cigarette and this, this smoke's coming out his neck. And my dad is holding him there on purpose. Because the guy's trying, well, pastor, you know, he's nervous as a wreck. I got to go. I got to go. I got an appointment. No, no, just hang on. You know, my dad just hold on to him. And so the smoke, the cigarettes burning, you know, the ashes are falling and the smoke's coming out the guy's neck. And my dad says, "Um, looks like your head's on fire there. I don't know. (laughs) You might, you might, (laughs) you might need to, you know, uh, you know, put that out. And uh, he'd just say, oh, pastor, you, I'm busted, you know. But, you know, I, I tell you what, I, that's, I, I refuse to go around and, and become the flesh police. Amen. I mean, that is just no way to, to people expect the pastor to do that. He's the flesh police going to going to arrest everybody. The sheriff. I'm, I'm a sheriff around here, you, you know. <laughs> And, uh, I'm controlling everybody. Well, you're not controlling anybody. You just, you're this, they'd come up with more creative ways to hide stuff from you. It's the truth. All right. That went over big, but anyway, it's the truth. It's like we got rain. Shocking here in Florida. Rain. All right. Um, anyway. I, I, I haven't gotten very far, have I? One verse. All the world may become guilty before God, so we're all in the same boat. We all need the same Savior. We all have to believe in righteousness by faith if we're going to have anything that helps us. And so that's a beautiful thing right there, isn't it? Somebody might say to you, well, what good is the law? And you can say, because it shuts us up. Shuts us up from what? Bragging on, if you go to, don't turn there yet, but if you go to Ephesians, it tells us uh, in the second chapter that we're saved by grace through faith, not of our works, lest any man should boast. So the law shuts us up and keeps us from boasting. And I will make my boast in only Christ. I will only boast in him. Amen. You get anything out of this? This kind of preaching will lift you up. See, I don't, I don't want to beat people over the head. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, look at this, look at this. There shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Isn't that something? For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now, but now, everybody say now. So let's live in the now and get out of the dark ages. Now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. It's manifested through Christ. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Really, if you believe the law, you would believe on Jesus. 
because it leads you to him. Uh, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned, say this means me, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But, we got good, there's, there's the bad news, right? We've all, we all, we all stand before God condemned, really. But it says here, being, notice there's a semicolon at the end of glory of God. That means you gotta keep reading. You don't just stop there and go, well, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Y'all pray for me. I'll make it to the end. No. He's gonna tell us what we are. Because before we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Come short. But look at semicolon. Praise God. Does everybody say semicolon? See, it's there for a reason. Being justified. Woo! I was a sinner, but I've been justified. What does justified mean? Just as if I'd never sinned. God treats us, Brother Copeland says, uh, grace means God treats us as if sin was never a part of the equation. Isn't that beautiful? I don't know about you, I need that. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation. In other words, that's the, that's the price set by the judge that has to be paid to bring the justification. Uh, Righteousness is free to us, but it costs heaven everything. Propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remissions of sins that are past. Leave them in the past, please. Don't go dig. We don't, we don't, we don't go to the cemetery and dig up the bodies to see how they're doing. Is sins that are past. Somebody has died, passed away. Let all that sin and shame and guilt and problems from the past, let it die. Bury it. Mm. Woo! Preach, Pastor. This gets me going, I'm telling you. I, I just love looking at, you know, if, if I have something nice, uh, you know, like a piece of furniture or a nice car or something. I like to, I like to every now and then polish it a little bit and just stand back and look at it and, you know, just kind of take it in a little bit visually. We were working on our piano here before the service, you know, a few little nicks and bumps that we were working on. And so something that you cherish or that you love, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll go back and look at it again and again. Uh, or a piece of jewelry that you enjoy. And I'll tell you what, we've got something that's worth more than any car, than any piano, than any piece of jewelry, than any thing, uh, that we, our home. We have the eternal salvation in Christ. And you know, we need to every now and then get it out. <laughs> this makes me just laugh. Cause it gives me joy. 
Every now and then we need, you know, sometimes you'll have, or a guy has a stamp collection or a coin collection or, you know, special rocks or something that he's collected, seashells. And every now and then you'll just get those out and you'll just look at them and read them and go, you know, look, go over them, right? Because it gives you pleasure. Nothing gives me more pleasure than looking at our salvation. Looking at our redemption. You want a faith builder, look at what you have in Christ. And, and so things that you enjoy, you'll want to touch them and handle them and look at them and show somebody else and <laughs> tell about it and talk about it. Glory. I'm glad I came tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. So, this redemption and this grace and in Christ Jesus, this propitiation, the price set by the just judge and exacted, which Jesus willingly went to the cross. Remember, he presented himself to the temple guards. Some people say the Roman soldiers, they weren't Roman soldiers there. They were temple guards that came to arrest him. The Romans got involved in the crucifixion, but the original arrest was the temple police. And, um, you know, folks were thinking, well, you know, if you're smart, you'll keep hiding. <laughs> but he didn't. He came out from hiding, not really hiding, but just obscurity. He came out into the center and said, here I am. And they arrested him because he gave himself. To be that propitiation, that price paid. Oh, I could just park on propitiation for about three hours, but I won't. Through faith, by the way, if you ever get like exonerated in a court of law or whatever, you might want to keep the paperwork because somebody might want to reaccuse you and you go, no, look, I was, I'm redeemed from that. I've been pardoned. <laughs> Amen. And the price was paid. And here it shows the receipt of the price paid. Praise God. That'll preach. You go, when the devil comes at you, let me make it, let me just make it where you can use it. When the devil comes at you with lies and innuendo, He'll lie to you about your health. He'll say, you're a sick old man. You're a sick old woman. You ain't going to make it. This is something serious. Blah, 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 lie, 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 lie. And he'll, he, he will talk something different than what God says about you. And you need to take the, that sheet out. <laughs> <laughs> the Word of God. But you need to take, so to speak, an imaginary sheet of paper that says, you're wrong, devil. Sorry, you're wrong. You're always wrong. You will always be wrong because you don't know anything but wrong because you're a liar. But let me just tell you, I am redeemed from the curse of the law. Yes, you are. Ah! Woo! He says... Well, you're not, the money you need's not gonna come, you're gonna go broke, 
blah, 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 you're going to lose your house. The devil says stuff like that. And you need to just say, no, it, 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 it can't happen to me, can't even happen. Oh, I know others. I don't care. I don't know about them, but I tell you what, I got this piece of paper from the judge that says, I am redeemed from this curse. Poverty is a curse. People say, you know, isn't that beautiful, poverty? It's not beautiful. It kills people. You, If you get poor enough where you don't have food, I'm talking like you see poverty at work in third world nations, and people die in the street from poverty, from not having enough to eat. So it's not a beautiful thing. Poverty's of the devil. God never put poverty on anybody. You understand? Well, then somebody will bring up some preacher they know that bought a Rolls Royce and it made them mad or something like that. I'm thinking, what does that have to do with the price of tea in China? Who cares? That has nothing to do with you and your needs and your desires. Why don't you just, we need to mind our own business. Amen. And believe God for what we need and leave everybody else alone. Because otherwise you'll, you're, otherwise you'll bounce between the gutter and the Taj Mahal all the time and just be a, a confused mess about it. And you can't believe God in an atmosphere like that. So just quit. If, if you're watching, you know, and you got a problem with money, you need to get over your problem with money. Amen. Money is neither moral or amoral. It's, it's just a tool. Amen. It's not good or bad. It's it's just a tool. It's a it's a measurement of value that we use to to do business and exchange Amen. goods and services. End of story. Don't make it into something weird. Hallelujah, right? And just say, "Thank God, I tell you what, you know, if 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 all you want to do is believe God for barely get by, like brother Hagan used to say, Live down on Grumble Alley, you know, barely get by street next to Grumble Alley. Knock yourself out, but don't criticize somebody else that wants a little more in life than that. Amen. You can, you can just do your thing and let everybody else alone. <laughs> That's, I like that, don't you? How about live and let live be a theme in the church for once? Instead of codependency, everybody's trying to manage everyone else. Yeah. All right. See, I've been in church my whole life. It's affected my mind. <laughs> sometimes for good, sometimes not, not so much. <laughs> Woo! I'm going to get in trouble. I have to stand before the Sanhedrin. All right. The, the, uh, the board of adjustment. Um, now look at this. Being, being justified freely. And then we've got this propitiation. That's the, the propitiation paper shows what was paid for your freedom. You know, they used to have slaves in the, uh, thank God we're not a slave of God. We're children of God. But they used to have slaves. They used to have different deals for slaves, you know. And one of them was that you could, you could buy, you could, you could work and, and in some states, in places you could buy your freedom. And they'd give you a paper to show that you had bought your freedom. That you were a free man. Amen? 
And that must have felt good to somebody living in a place where it was possible for you to be recaptured and become a slave. And so we we were a slave under the devil. He's a slave driver. You ever seen somebody addicted to meth or something like that? They just that thing just drives them. They're a, they're it's they're they become a slave to that addiction. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Or a slave to a slave to sexual addiction or a slave to something they don't even want to do those things or be that way and it just this thing just got a hold of them and drives them drives them and drives them but thank god god is not a slave driver hallelujah he's a father he's a father (laughs) and we're no longer slaves thank god we're not a slave to the lord we are uh children and heirs, his heirs and joint heirs with Christ. And we got the propitiation paper to prove it. Amen. Say, look, it's paid for. You need to show that to the devil about daily. Because yes, he just puts all kinds of ridiculous things in your head. Yes. Hallelujah. Through faith in our works. Is that what it says? Verse 25. Through faith in our goodness that we've conjured up by reading, you know, Reader's Digest. Faith in His blood. Folks, have faith in His blood. It's enough. To declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past. Like I told you, don't talk about it anymore. Through the forbearance of God. The reason we've got forbearance is because Jesus paid for it. Paul talked in legal terms all the time. He sounds like an attorney. He was an attorney. He was a a lawyer of Moses' law. So he talked in legal terms. So a term like propitiation, justified, and forbearance are legal terms. I love it that it's legal. And anybody tries to come and take away one of your rights as a citizen of a place, they're trespassing. And they're being illegal in their actions. And the devil's illegal. Talk about illegal aliens. He's the first one. (laughs) All right, you want to keep reading? Y'all getting anything out of this? We've got the forbearance of God. Ah! Not the forbearance of the court, the forbearance of the state, the forbearance of the the federal government. The forbearance of God himself. That's as high as you get. You need to go to the devil. Because he comes with his lies and he acts like he's an official and he acts like he's whatever. And he comes around and he says all this stuff. Just telling us we're defeated and we're failures and we're sick and broke and ugly and I don't know what all he tells us. (laughs) And then we need to say, wait a minute, bub, I've got the forbearance of God. You can't make anything stick to me. The blood of Jesus is Teflon. (laughs) 
Nothing sticks to it. I'm, I know I'm screaming. I sound like Rod Parsley. I'm just, I'm just uh, excited though. To declare, I say, I love that I say. It sounds like British writing, doesn't it? To declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness. What do you need to be declaring? Well, I, y'all pray for me. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I don't know. Y'all make my make it to the end. No, you need to go. I declare righteousness. To declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness. I say, as an act of my will, I say, at this time, his righteousness. <laughs> Woo! That the that he might be just and the justifier of him who believes in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law of works? Nay, there, nay, for all the works, works, work mongers. But by the law of faith. Therefore, and this is the verse I wanted to get to because I love it. I wanted to get a, when I was preaching on the road more, I, I wanted a banner made with this and put up behind me when I preached, but it wouldn't have been very popular verse. They, the other verses they like better than this one. But it's still there in the Bible. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Now, Geraldine, if you would put verse 28 up there in the Amplified, for we maintain, this is so beautiful. And if you don't understand this verse, you don't get the gospel. Without this verse, we are basically, and this is not any kind of, 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 of criticism of any group, but without that understanding of that verse, we're basically Roman Catholics. Meaning that we're trying to work our way into enough favor to make heaven. That's what I mean by Roman Catholics. So there's a lot of Catholics who are saved and who are believers and filled with the Spirit and great Christians. So I'm not throwing anybody under the bus, but I'm saying the traditional teaching of you got to work, 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 pay, 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 light a lot of candles, do a lot of rituals, recite a lot of things to to make heaven. And then they, they still won't tell you when you die that you went there. They'll tell your relatives to make sure they didn't go there. Let's do some, I mean, they went to heaven. Let's do some stuff. So without this understanding this, we are basically back to Roman Catholicism. Now, keep that verse there. I'll just tell you this little story. I was at a, I was at a meeting of, it was 46 denominations represented at this one meeting. I mean, they had everybody there. Catholics, Lutherans, Presbyterians, Assemblies of God, everybody. It was an ma- amazing meeting on grace and righteousness. And uh, they had some representatives there from the American, you know, the Lutheran, the Lutheran Church in the United States uh, is more than just one group. They've got several synods or groups. There's the Missouri Synod. There's Wisconsin which this, this church was that we, the people we bought this church from, they were the Wisconsin Synod, a little more, uh, closed and conservative in many ways. And, uh, different, different Lutheran groups. There's several, there, there's one that's apostolic that's from, uh, 
uh, New England that's uh, that's really legalistic in, in their behaviors and almost almost Mennonite, almost like Amish, you know, like almost don't believe in electricity. It's that bad. So anyway, as far as legalism, so we love them all. God bless them. Not speaking against anybody. Please hear my heart. But I want to tell you what they did. The Lutheran Church in America, across all the groups, did a uh, a survey amongst their people to see where their faith was in the gospel. And they found out that something like 85% of the American Lutheran churches basically practicing Roman Catholicism. Because when they asked the question, are you saved? When you die, will you go to heaven? If the answer was yes, the next question is why? And the answer was, I sing in the choir. I help trim the hedges. I, I give a lot of money. I do a lot of things. Well, we need everybody doing all that. That's wonderful, but that's not why you're saved. You're saved because of the blood of Jesus. And only something like 15% answered that question right. And the Lutheran powers that be said, we got to do a better job of explaining the gospel because this is not what Martin Luther preached. This is what Martin Luther preached. This is about as Lutheran as you get. But somehow, every generation, like Brother Hagin said, every generation has to be taught. And if we don't preach these things and just assume everybody knows it, it'll be lost. So that's why I harp, okay, on it and beat it into the ground and break it off. Because I don't want us to forget what the gospel's about. This is the gospel. For we maintain, I love it that we maintain this, like this is, this is my story and I'm sticking with it. For we maintain that an individual is justified by faith, distinctly apart from works of the law, the observance of which has nothing, everybody say nothing, nothing to do with justification. That is being declared free of the guilt of sin and made acceptable to God. There's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you miss that, you're going to beat yourself up through guilt and shame and condemnation the rest of your Christian life trying to please the Lord. Now look, let's not get in the ditch. Um, if you kept reading, you get to verse 31, go back to the King James. We go to verse 31, he says, do we then make void the law through faith? He said, God forbid we establish the law. The people say, well, since I'm justified only by faith, then I can just live any way I want to. If I want to be an adulterer, if I want to be a fornicator, if I want to be a, you know, pervert, If I want to be whatever I'm going to be, I'm just going to do it. Well, no. Paul said, um, if you look at Romans 6, uh, 1, he says, shall we, um, I'm sorry, verse 2, he says, no, it is 1, it's 1a. (laughs) Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound, God forbid. Paul said that. So the idea of grace isn't to give you a license to live like the devil. Amen? 
But real grace of the heart, by faith, in Christ, will not lead you to do that. These people that say, oh, I'm in grace, so I'm living like the devil. You're not in grace. You're an idiot. (laughs) Can I just be that blunt? Praise the Lord. I'm the pastor. I can say what I want. (laughs) You're an idiot. You're not in grace. You're, you're, You're playing a game. You're being foolish and stupid. It is not, that is not the idea. And Paul never said it was the idea. And there are some folks today that on the extreme edges, thank God for the fresh revelation of grace and righteousness. My God, we needed it. But then there's folks that always go in the ditch and give the whole thing a bad name. And then people go, I don't even want to hear that. I heard one preacher say, I don't even want to hear the G word. Well, come on. Grace is not a curse word. It's not the G word. It's not like the F-bomb, you know. It's so ridiculous to go there and to go to that extreme. So we got some people that go to the extreme. So let's go over here and go to the other extreme. And y'all be in that ditch and we'll be in this ditch. How about we just go down the middle of the road and be balanced and and use our brain? (laughs) Not be stupid. Is it that difficult? I don't know. You know, when, when, when faith revelation became, became the emphasis, I believe, by the Holy Spirit, the word of faith, teaching and doctrine, amen, on, on uh, who we are in Christ and the authority of the believer and the nature and character of God and all, all kinds of wonderful uh, teachings on how to release our faith, how to use our faith, right? Confession and those things. There was extremists then. There were people preaching against, you know, women using a doctor to deliver a baby. There were people and calling that faith. I could name their names, the ones who taught that. They're, they're off the, they're not even on the earth anymore, I don't think. But, but I'm telling you, they got extreme, right? Or if, if you, if you, if you really have faith, you won't lock your doors at night. Things like that. Well, that's extreme. But we didn't stop preaching the truth just because some people got extreme. So that's how I feel about grace and righteousness. I'm not going to stop preaching it just because somebody over here went bananas with it. Amen? Why can't we go down to the middle of the road and have something solid that we can take to the bank, so to speak, and use? Amen? How many know what I'm saying? Praise God. Well, nobody in this church acts that way, but there are... I do have to say these things because, you know, if you don't, somebody get the wrong idea. Paul said it. He he felt the need that somebody might thought might have thought that way he was teaching that sin was not a big deal. And I think if you don't, if you if you if you if that's not the question, I'm not sure you've sufficiently taught grace. But then we we bring it back. You know, they say that airplanes, now I'm not an airplane designer, pilot, <laughs> or, or maintenance repairman, but, uh, mechanic. I, I don't think they would appreciate being called repairman. Uh, <laughs> an air, an airplane, a jet engine mechanic. Uh, I guarantee you the word balance would be in there somewhere. There, there has to be, I know, I know, I know just in an automobile, balance is important. 
Anybody ever driven down the road and you got a tire out of balance? And I don't care how smooth that asphalt is and how nice of a road, your car is going to give you not a good ride till you get that balance. It's Or a flat spot in the tire. You ever had that? You know. <laughs> and you're going, this is not really good, you know. <laughs> if you had a cassette deck in the car, it would, it would jump the tape, you know. <laughs> or an eight track and go to the next song, you know, and bump it along. Now I'm really dating myself, aren't I? Praise God. Did I even know that? Sometimes I'll be around little kids or something, they'll, Say, how old are you? I said, well, you know, we, we used to have to hand crank the car, you know, of course I'm not that old, but they believe you, you know. Hand crank the car. They actually had those in the beginning. <laughs> are y'all getting anything out of this? I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop preaching here in a second. Um, I want you to look, just one more verse. I mean, we, my goodness, we could read all of chapter 4, and we're not going to. But I want you to look at chapter 5. Did you get something out of that tonight? Is that is that helpful? Makes me excited about the value of our righteousness. It is so amazing. It really is amazing grace, isn't it? Romans 5, therefore... I love it. If, if something was is therefore, you, you got to see why it's therefore. <laughs> what it's there for? Because it's a it's a conjunctive word too. So it'd be, it would pay you to read all of chapter four. But verse uh, chapter five, verse one says, "Therefore, being justified, be this is something that you are. You're going to be this all the time, right? Say this is my current state. Say that." This, say it better than that. Say it, this is my current state. Amen. So I'm being justified. This is who I am. I'm a, we talk about being a human being. I'm a justified being. You are too. Justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, stand in the grace, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Hallelujah. So this is what we need to remind ourselves every day. I have a paper that says in the Word, I have, you can say, this is my, this is my file. Amen. Sometimes you go, you change doctors, and in the old days before everything was digital, they'd say, bring your file with you, your medical file, so we can read your history. So this is our file. (laughs) See, I brought my file today. And my file says that if you look in the certain part of the file, it says that I have a propitiation and I have God's forbearance. Therefore, nothing sticks to me. Thank you, Lord. Now, listen about this COVID thing. 
Now they're saying that the folks that's been, uh, you know, um, vaccinated, um, that you can still get it, and it's just not as bad. But then you can give it to somebody. They, listen, they don't know what they're doing. That's right. The whole thing's a crazy experiment, and I don't even know. You know, I don't know. I, I, I will not spend. I will not issue conspiracy theories here at the church. But I will tell you that something's really weird about this. It's it's off. It's not just another thing that popped up. This is something weird. And so it would be really good for you, vaccinated or not. I have been vaccinated. I, I don't care if you are or you're not. It doesn't bother me. But I have mainly because of travel. You know, if we if the if they ever open borders again, you know, I have places I, I got to go preach. But I did, so I didn't want to get not get on the plane. But whether you've been vaccinated or not, I, I don't care what really care. It doesn't matter to me. But I'm just telling you that there is no greater defense against all this than the word of God. And if you come down with symptoms and things, I mean, you do what you need to do medically and all that. I'm not against that. God's not against it. That's an individual choice. But I'll tell you one thing. No matter what you say, I am, I am immune from COVID because I've got propitiation and forbearance. And here's my file. And I've been vaccinated by the blood of Jesus, which does not sustain viruses. All right. Does that help you? Let's lift our hands and thank God for the word tonight, for the truth, for the victory in Jesus' name. We give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's use our faith against this Fred storm coming up at us. It doesn't have to come here. And so it can just die out in the Gulf or whatever. But in Jesus' name, no weapon formed against us will prosper. In Jesus' name, amen? All right, God bless you. Come back Sunday for more. Sick them. <laughs>